Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is unsung hoopers in NCAA women's basketball. So Jalen and I came up with five women's basketball players each in the NCAA, and we're going to talk about them because uh, NCAA women's basketball does not nearly get enough coverage as it should, and we want to highlight some of the best players right now in college basketball. Now, just a disclaimer, we are excluding Maryland women's and Towson women's basketball players because Jalen and I cover Maryland and Towson respectively. So Jalen, let's kick things off. Who's your first unsung hooper in the NCAAW? Yeah, man, Ryan, I, I want to piggyback off of something you said real quick by just saying like, yeah, women's college basketball does not get the type of respect that it res- that it truly deserves. I think that the, this is one of my favorite segments every month when we sit down and kind of take a look at some of these players, whether it be in the WNBA or in women's college basketball, just out of the mere fact that these ladies are really hoopers, bro. And they can give some of these male teams buckets if given the opportunity. I think that that should get highlighted a lot more because the skill set is true. The players are legit and it's a fun league to watch. If you've never watched a women's college basketball or WNBA basketball game, just give it a shot. And I think you'd be surprised with just how impressive they actually are. Leaving off that, I'm going to start with Ryan Howard for Kentucky. Um, Big name in terms of women's college basketball, somebody who was in the player of the year conversation last year for a good majority got snubbed, I think, in terms of the, the, um, the overall uh, player of the player of the year race, I think when it came down to the final voting, but just some stats, 19.2 points per game, which is 30th in the country right now, 6.4 rebounds per game, 3.9 assists. And some of the main things that stood out to me is mainly on the defensive end. Like the 19 points is great and all three steals a game, 1.3 blocks per game. And the thing with the steals is this is like her everyday. This is an everyday lunch pail kind of thing for her on a year-to-year basis. She's a senior right now, and every single year since her freshman year at Kentucky, she's averaged at least, at least two steals a game, with this year being obviously a career high with three. And this is a career, a career year for her in terms of blocks per game at 1.3. I think that she is one of the most complete players in women's college basketball right now. And I mean, Ryan, the biggest thing is the level of consistency is there. I mean, she's only had two games where she didn't score double figures. And outside of that, she's only had like three or four games outside of those, those single digit games that she's only had three or four other games where she scored less than 20. So consistent double digit score and definitely loves to flirt with 20, point per game, uh, 20 points on any given night. So, I mean, definitely knows how to fill up the box score. And like I said beforehand, one of the bigger things, too, locks up on the defensive end. I think when you talk about complete players, Ryan Howard is a complete player for the University of Kentucky. She gets it done on both sides of the floor. One of the stronger defenders in the SEC. And we talk about, you know, a lot of the great teams in the SEC. On the women's side is where – There's a lot of competition. You talk about Kentucky. I'm going to mention a player from Tennessee a little bit later. Mm. Mississippi State's always in the conversation. 
I think there's just a lot of talent in the SEC in general. Ryan Howard definitely brings a lot of attention to the SEC with her solid play this season. My first player I'm going to talk about is Aoka Lee from Kansas State. She's averaging 23.5 points per game, 10.6 rebounds, 3.6 blocks a game. Lee does a lot of her scoring in the paint, and she also does a lot of her scoring in the post as she averages 59% shooting from the field. She leads the Big 12 in scoring, block shots, and shooting percentage. Lee also has multiple 30-plus point games this season, and she opened the season with 43 points. Uh, Lee is also proving to be one of the best centers in the country, and she's improved since her first season at Kansas State. And Lee's one of the toughest players to guard in the post and in the paint because of her physicality and her ability to almost to score almost at will. Yeah. And the thing about Lee that's so interesting to me is like the fact that she's she stepped up in some really significant games. Right. Most recently, they played a uh, played a game against Iowa State ranked ninth in the country at the time, dropped 38 and 11 with three blocks. And they only lost by three. So, I mean, she pretty much carried when you talk about the fact that she had over half of of Kansas State's points. Then we look at this other game against uh, Baylor, ranked number 10, 32 points, 10 rebounds, three steals on the perimeter as well. I I mean, with two blocks on top of that. I mean, the biggest thing is with somebody who has so much activity, she doesn't turn the ball over much either, right? That same Baylor game is probably her worst turnover game overall with four. But a lot of these games, you, you read through one, one, zero, a lot of zeros early in the season, um, a handful of one turnover games. Doesn't tend to like cross over too often, really, either. And they play through her pretty frequently. Like you said, developing as one of the better centers in the league and in the country with that. But I mean, just to flesh out some of the stats you read off, that 23.6 points per game, fourth in the nation. Uh, the rebounds at 10.8, she's top 20. That 59% from the uh, from the floor, top uh, top 15, top top 17 um, in that lane, in that area, in terms of uh, efficiency from the floor. So it's just like the damage that she does on a night-to-night basis, she's a center that can be played through while doing it in a way that's not detrimental to the team, right? She's not high volume in a way that it's to get her efficiency up. The efficiency is a part of the play style. And I mean, I mean, you love to see it. You love to see buckets that come on on really efficient play because of the fact that it induces a translatable skill set. And that's one of those things me and you talk about a lot when we talk about WNBA stuff, um, especially when draft time comes around. And I think if there's anything she could improve on, it's passing out of the post. But I think with the amount of work that she does in the post, I don't think she'll really have to worry about passing out of the post as much because she does enough damage inside of the post to other teams that she, she creates problems for the defense. She draws double teams very easily. So I think that's really something that's been impressive about her this season for Kansas state, but Jalen, who is your second on some Hooper? Yeah. So I went a different route um, on this second one with Olivia miles for Notre Dame. And the main thing that stood out for me with her was the passing, right? We talked about Ryan Howard. and We were talking about the two-way playability of her. Really uh, interesting length. Definitely still a score-first player, but can definitely lock up on the other, uh, other side of the court. With, with Olivia, the passing is what I love to highlight because, one, if you watch her highlights, she's a really crafty passer. 
But two, she's averaging 7.8 assists per game, which is second in the nation. And she's got a handful of double-digit uh, double assist games, including a 14-14 and 14 game earlier in the season. Um, not really someone who fills it up in the, the scoring department, but also not one of those players that kind of fades into black when it comes to being assertive on the offensive end. If you look across uh, her game log, not too many single-digit scoring nights for her. And the other thing that I think is really impressive um, for as well is the rebounding. I mean, when you look across the board for she's averaging 6.6 rebounds per game, but the consistency is there where she is really a high leverage rebounder. The, the one of the, the more important or more impactful games, she, uh, they played uh, Valparaiso and had a triple double. Uh, I think her only triple double so far this season with um, 11 points. 13 rebounds, 13 assists. I mean, just overall, I think her passing ability opens up so much for this Notre Dame team, but it's not her sole skill to the point that she can become a net negative. You remember, we used to talk about Ricky Rubio like this, or uh, Asin Kidd, talking about Jason Kidd, or uh, even like Rajon Rondo, right? The inability to shoot the ball or to be aggressive on the offensive end made it where the passing skill was the only thing that made her a real threat on the floor. I don't think Olivia plays like that. I don't think, I actually think she's a lot further ahead. And especially as a, as a freshman to have that balance of knowing when to score and when to set everybody up. I, I think that's one of those things that's going to make her really special. And she already has looked really good um, so far this season. It's also the awareness level on the floor too, because you know, you have to, you have to think about, setting yourself up to score, but also setting your teammates up to score as well. Mm -hmm. She does both of those very well, but I think like, I think her ceiling as a player could be Courtney Vandersloot if she keeps this up because Courtney Vandersloot, a very phenomenal facilitator in the WNBA, but she's not somebody that scores a lot of buckets. I think there's a chance that Olivia miles can be Courtney Vandersloot in the WNBA and I think that the, the comparison, I kind of want to get your take on this, Jalen, a little bit, because okay. I think they're very similar in terms of skill sets. I, I think there's a chance that uh, Olivia Miles has the potential to be a, a Courtney Vandersloot type player in the WNBA. So I think Courtney Vandersloot is an interesting comparison when you talk about mac matching her up with a player like Olivia. And I think the interesting part about that is when you think about the translation, the biggest thing I think that's going to be really important is the development of her three-point shot. And I think the interesting part about your comparison is that they both didn't start out as strong three-point shooters. If you look at Olivia um, so far this season, she's shooting 21% from three. Well, if you go back to Courtney's freshman year, I mean, her, um, her rookie year, um, in the WNBA with Chicago, she was averaging 6.5 points per game, 3.7 assists. But the thing I was talking about, three, three point percentage, 27%, 27% from three. But over time, she's, she, her, her numbers went up, not sporadically, but over the course of her season, she got as high as two seasons ago, shooting 39.5% on just under four attempts per game. So there's that gradual development. And right now she's a 34.6 um, career three-point shooter, talking about Courtney Vanish Lute, 
which is a significant jump, right? Obviously from 27. I think the biggest thing, I like that comparison because of the fact that that three-point shot, if they if she can unlock that in a similar way that Courtney has to a certain extent, I think it opens up her game even more when you talk about what she can be um, as an overall offensive threat. But as a passer, um, I definitely think that there are some similarities from a crafty, craftiness standpoint and a pass-first standpoint in general in terms of leaning more on that to make yourself effective on a night-to-night basis. I think it's also the progression, too, for Courtney Vanderson and Olivia Miles because I think – I know Olivia Miles is going to be in the WNBA. I think when she gets there, I think it'll be about progression because I think there are going to be a lot of the comparisons with her passing ability to Courtney Vandersloot, but statistical wise, that's where you can really pencil in the comparison because if Olivia Miles improves on her three-point shot, much like Courtney Vandersloot, if she continues to translate her college game to the pros, that's where I think those comparisons are really going to be noticed and i think that you know i don't want to say like i'm the first person that makes these comparisons mm-hmm. but i'm very interested to see if olivia miles is compared to courtney vandersloot when she gets to the WBA. my second player is actually the third leading scorer in the country and that's uh kirsten bell from florida gulf coast she's averaging 24.6 points a game like i mentioned third in the country 7.9 rebounds, 1.9 steals, 1.4 blocks a game as well. Five double-doubles this season for Bell. She actually had 39 points against Tennessee Tech. And Kirsten Bell has been a great scorer for Florida Gulf Coast. And this isn't a coincidence. Last season, she averaged 24.8 points and 10.7 rebounds and shot 55.7% from the field. And something she also carried over from last season was her solid play on defense. I mentioned how she averaged, uh, uh, how she's averaging 1.9 steals and 1.4 blocks this season. But the but last season she averaged 1.7 steals and 2.1 blocks. She's a sneaky defender and defends the perimeter very well. And Bell has helped this team get off to a phenomenal start at 15 and one. And she has been very underrated this season as a scoring guard who can hold her own on defense for this team. Yeah, so Kirsten is a really solid player. And I told Ryan this off camera that I was so salty that he was the one that actually picked Kirsten to rave about because I was already on her radar a little bit earlier this season. And then later on, I think it was actually uh, earlier this week, that I had seen the report that said that she was uh, putting her name in the WNBA hat. And I was just like, yep, this is going to translate. Like this is going to work. Legitimate ball handler can score, can score at will fills it up six in the country in terms of points per game. The efficiency is there too, nearly 50% from the floor. Does it on both ends. Uh, Ryan, you already kind of mentioned some of the stuff in terms of the steals and blocks, a uh, big time rebounder as well. And you mentioned it too, in terms of her progression, one of the biggest things, Ryan, that me and you tend to talk about is in these unsung Hooper uh, takes specifically is where a player has come either from the year prior or maybe even two or three seasons from that. Well, you you kind of mentioned it earlier talking about how last season she was already filling it up at 24.3 points per game. Well, let's go a year before that, right? 10.9 points per game. 
4.4 rebounds, 1.6 assists. I mean, you're talking about in a one-year jump, jumping 14 points um, up in terms of uh, points per game, just over, uh, just over or just under actually six rebounds per game jump. And then this season coming in and really not losing much of a beat across the board, right, in terms of her overall production. So, like you said, I mean, the fact that she has taken these kind of steps is legitimate. I mean, if you go through our last uh, five games, um, the most recent game against Stetson was not too hot, but she uh, she left out. Uh, she only played 17 minutes in that one. Not too worried about that one, considering the the blowout that was handed out, 78 to 41. Don't need to be on the floor doing too much. But prior to that, uh, 25, 25 points against Liberty, um, 30 points against um, uh, Kennesaw State. 17 points, seven, uh, 27 points. I mean, you just go through the list. She can fill it up, and she can fill it up in a hurry. And I think that's going to be really interesting to see how that translates. I think what's going to also be really interesting is to see where she goes in the draft because me and you have not done a crazy deep dive on the prospects for this upcoming draft, but especially with all the craziness going on in terms of names being thrown out for the WNBA's free agency this year. A lot of the movement this offseason could dictate things like where Kirsten lands because just saying I would like to see her with Atlanta as a lead guard for your boy. But nonetheless, it's going to be an interesting uh, rest of the season for her in terms of seeing what she does for Florida, Florida, Florida Gulf Coast. And I think when you talk about her scoring ability, I think every team in the WNBA could use a scorer like Kirsten Bell. Mm-hmm offensively with the Atlanta dream though, is what would, what would be interesting because when you talk about her pairing up with Courtney Williams, who may or may not be out the door for, for the Atlanta dream, Kennedy Carter, we're really uncertain about her future with the Atlanta dream. Ari McDonald, who's gotten some minutes with Atlanta, but we really haven't seen enough from her mm-hmm. in uh, last season. I think if you put Kirsten Bell on a, team like Atlanta give her that chance to shine along with players like Tiffany Hayes who had a great season last Mm -hmm. year I think that's where we'll really see the translatability from college to the pros because I think she's somebody that has that impact has that instant impact that Michaela Anyenwere did with the New York Liberty last year how she was able to just insert herself into the lineup and just make plays and and score points for the New York Liberty. I think Kirsten Bell can do that mm. for any team in the WNBA in the WNBA. But I think there is a chance that she ends up going the Atlanta dream in the WNBA. But Jalen, moving on to our third unsung hooper. Who is your third unsung hooper? So I have Carolyn Dijarm for um the Yukon Huskies. And the reason why, so this is actually an oddball pick for me in terms of in comparison to the rest of the players I had. And this one was more from a storyline standpoint, more so than anything. She's played really well over the last couple of games, and I'll highlight that in a second. But the biggest thing that stands out is this team was high, hyped up because AZ Fudd, right, uh, freshman for UConn, signs with Steph Curry, right, has only played four games this year. Paige Buckers plays six games this year, year, obviously coming off a crazy freshman season last year and hasn't been available for UConn either. So. With that being the case, Kristen Williams and and Caroline Caroline have been really good in the meantime. And Caroline specifically has taken this time 
to really assert herself as a scorer in place of Paige and in, and in, pace, in place of AZ in a way that is really stood out. Like you look at the last five games for, and we're talking about 22 points against Oregon, 20 points against Xavier, 18 points against Butler, 17 against Creighton, 24 against Louisville, which was a close game where they only lost 64 to 69. I mean, when you look at what she's done in terms of her opportunities, the reason why she stood out to me so much is because once Paige, once Paige went down and AZ uh, was no longer on the floor as well, it almost kind of seemed like the real legit, like the real outsider fan perspective on UConn kind of died down in terms of the hype. You know what I mean? If you're a casual to women's college basketball, I feel like UConn is an easy team to grad, uh, gravitate to before the season starts because of their storied history. It's detailed in ESPN all the time. And if you look at a lot of the WNBA players, a lot of them have come through, you know, a Geno-led system with UConn. So with those two players down, you say this a lot, Ryan, talking about, so who's going to step up in place of two top-tier players, top-name players like that? Well, uh, Carolinas came in, like I said, and done legitimate damage played really well and I think she's just gotten to shine in her circumstances and I mean I'll hype I'll um I'll hype up um Kristen Williams in the midst in the midst of that too 14.6 points for her 3.5 rebounds 2.5 assists like those two her senior Williams's senior senior leadership along with Caroline stepping up in this role I think has really helped the Huskies kind of stay afloat despite two two legitimate lead guards going down due to injury. And I love how you use one of my points, because I think if it if there is a time to use the point of who's going to step up next, it's with this UConn team, because mm-hmm. UConn came into the season as a title favorite, and they've had to go through a couple of obstacles with their injuries to Paige Beckers and AZ Fudd. The thing with Caroline Ducharme is that her ability to step in and show out as quickly as she did is why why she's an unsung hooper. Mm -hmm. Because when we talk about players that, you know, you need to step up, you need to take over. Caroline Ducharme has done that the entire season for UConn. And, you know, Jalen read out most of her stats and it kind of shows you the type of impact that she had quickly as a freshman coming onto this UConn team with the high expectations that they've had and keeping this team afloat in the top 25, because I think Jalen, for you and I, it would be a disappointment to see this team fall out of the top 25. But Mm. you look at the circumstances of this team with, with Paige and AZ out, UConn still has a chance. You can never rule a UConn out. And when you have a player like Caroline Ducharme playing the way that she's been playing, this is why UConn has been one of the most consistent teams in women's college basketball because of their ability to hold it together even through the toughest times in their program. My third unsung hooper is Lorella Kuba from Georgia Tech, and she's averaging 10.1 points per game, 12 rebounds a game, which is seventh in the country. 1.5 steals and 1.6 blocks a game. She is one of the best defenders on one of the best defensive teams in the country. So Georgia Tech is actually the best scoring defense in the country and their opponents average 46.3 points per game. 
And she's also one of the best best players in the country in terms of defensive win shares. Kuba is a player that frequently attacks the glass, grabs rebounds, but on offense, she's an excellent facilitator. She leads the team in assists this season with 4.4, and she's also one of the best facilitators in the ACC. I believe she's second in the ACC in terms of assists per game. So I think Kaba could be on her way to winning ACC Defensive Player of the Year, but I think you should also throw her name in for Defensive Player for Defensive Player of the Year nationwide. Yeah, and Lorella is so good at just being aggressive. I mean, if you look at her overall run, and I mean that in a good way, obviously, but if you look across um, her box score, and this is one of those things that I think is really important, especially when you're looking for a lead player a lot of double-digit attempts. When you're looking for a go-to player to be able to lean on late, this is one of those things where your best player, senior leader, fifth-year leader, by the way, right? Fifth-year player for this team needing to step up to be a legitimate um, calming force out of the post for this team. And she takes every opportunity to put themselves in that position. And not too many quiet nights for her either. You know, that's one of those things I think we're going to say consistently throughout this pod is that, Every player we are referring to is somebody who shows up on a night-to-night basis in one way or another, right? The offense, when you talk about um, points per game or assists per game, obviously that'll stand out to people when you just look at a standard box score. But some of the things like steals per game, blocks per game, you mentioned defensive win shares, which I think is a great stat too. Those are the kind of things that I think translate best when you talk about a player who, if you were to drop them on a different team, would they still be nearly as impactful? I think some of these different things that we've brought up throughout this pod are kind of those skill sets that I think can make it where a player like like Lorella can potentially be even more impactful if she were on a, on a different team. And with this team, first of all, Ryan, we already know my love for Georgia Tech in a very sneaky way, right? The, if for anybody that didn't listen to our top five storylines um, in NCAA basketball, talking about the men's side of things, I gassed up the Georgia Tech men's team, despite the fact that they are very low on the totem pole in the ACC in terms of uh, conference play. Nonetheless, I believe in the two guys they have um, at the lead at the at the lead guard position in the forward spot. I believe in Lorella over here, and I think that she has been really impressive all season. Eighth in rebounds per game in the nation, and Ryan, you already mentioned leading the team in assists. I think she's just an overall solid player. And in terms of the ACC, talking about that defensive running. If she's not somewhere in the top three, I need a redo on the ballot. That's all I'm saying. I need a redo on the ballot when we talk about defensive player of the year for the ACC. I kind of wanted to ask you this as well, because it, it's it's weird that it's actually not weird, but I think it's so interesting that Georgia Tech is the team that has intrigued you the most, not only the men's team, but also the women's team, because they're always a very sneaky team and they don't get talked about nearly as much. I think Lorella Kuba definitely puts this team on the map for sure to be a contender in the ACC. I'm just interested to see how far they'll go because the ACC this year in the women's on the women's side is wide open, much like the men's side as well, because there isn't a definitive favorite. Obviously you look at the men's side, there's Duke and it seems like they're the only lock. Miami's definitely coming on strong for sure. And Florida state with their upset win of Duke definitely make a case. On the women's side is where it's really wide open because you could talk about Duke and North Carolina State and how impressive they've been with Alyssa Cunane. Georgia Tech, I think, will be a team to watch out for, for sure, because 
with Lurel Cabal leading that top-ranked defense in the country, they made they might stop a lot of the opposing offenses that they have in their way, especially a team like NC State. Because with Elisa Kunane playing as well as she's been playing, I do a lot of spotlight matchups for my Monday Maryland breakdown. I think that's a spotlight matchup right there. Elisa Kunane and Lorella Kuba. Yeah, and I mean, just to piggyback of something, because you were mentioning my fascination with Georgia Tech. Now, I have to admit, I, I don't say this much on pod, but I have to be upfront with our listeners. I was born in Georgia. I was born in Georgia, and I am a Georgia Bulldogs fan at heart. If you can check out some of the stuff that's behind me on a regular basis, I don't have anything up right now, but I tend to have little things here and there have stuff on my desk. I'm a Georgia Bulldog kind of guy. But this year, especially in men's college basketball, Georgia is the place you go to get a win. That's what that is. On the other side of things, Georgia Tech has been really solid as a program this year. Um, I like Michael DeVoe on the men's side. Um, Lorella has been really solid. I want to shout out their international flair, too, for Georgia Tech's women's team because uh, Naria Hermosa Victoria Sp- from Victoria, Spain, Talk about Lorella already, another player that comes from Italy. Um, at the guard spot, you've got a lot of Maj Latinen. She's from Finland. Like, they have this little bit of international flair to them. Their front court with, uh, with uh, Cuba and Hermosa, I think is, I mean, I think they're legitimate. They're averaging just over 21 points a game as a, uh, as a combo and nearly 20 rebounds a game as a combo. So, I, I mean, it's, and it's interesting because Georgia Tech's men's team does it with their with their perimeter guys, while Georgia Tech's women's team does it down low. I think it's just an interesting dichotomy, too. So, yeah, I have to admit, as a as a fan of Georgia sports, I've had to kind of lean with with a different team this year. But um, thankfully, thankfully, both Georgia teams um, uh, for Georgia Tech have been pretty solid. Yeah, I think Georgia Tech could be a sneaky team with with both their teams, the men's teams and the women's teams. Definitely a team to watch out for, for sure, uh, coming up. And I know we're in the month of January, but with a lot of these upsets coming up, it, it with a lot of these upsets, it definitely feels like March, for sure. So mm-hmm. let's move to our fourth unsung hooper. Jalen, who is your fourth unsung hooper? Yeah, man. So I feel like we can't do like a like a women's college basketball spotlight without talking about Caitlin Clark for Iowa. I feel like that would almost be a disservice to her with how well she's played this year. 20 points, 26.2 points per game leads the nation. 7.7 assists is um, third right before behind Olivia, who I mentioned earlier. Um, 8.5 rebounds per game, which puts her in the top 90 across the nation. And the scoring is ridiculous. Like, like Ryan, there's no other way to like word this. 44 points is a season high against Evansville um, earlier this month. Recently had 35 points and 13 rebounds with 11 assists and a 105 to 49 beatdown on Minnesota. 31, 10 and 10 against Nebraska. 24, 8, 9 against Purdue. Like it just is getting jiggy, bro. Like it's like it's the only way to like phrase it is that she gets jiggy. She scores points, has not had a single single digit scoring performance all season and has had a handful of double doubles and has had, I think I want to say at least four triple doubles this season as well. I mean, she fills it up, bro. I mean, in every single aspect on the offensive end, she goes crazy. And I mean, if you want to get more into the weeds about it, 1.3 steals per game is a pretty good way to show that you're at least showing some significant activity 
as a player that has so much offensive responsibility and then can still go down on the other end and be a really solid team defender. I think she's arguably one of the best players in the country. And I, I refer to her as a walking triple double because mm-hmm. you're, you're right, Jalen. She actually does have four triple doubles on the season so far. And it's just a mixture of things. She's also the leading scorer in the country. She can score. She can play make. She can defend. She can do it all. I mean, mm-hmm. she she's arguably, I, I like I said earlier, she's arguably one of the best players in college basketball right now. She's she's arguably up for national player of the year as well. And like I mentioned with Kirsten Bell, this is not a coincidence with Caitlin Clark because we saw this last year with Caitlin Clark and how impressive she's been. So I think with with her, it's about consistency. And we know how consistent she she can be. Can she keep it up throughout the season? Because I mentioned this with Maryland too, because there's a lot of Big Ten teams that are great right now in the in a, in the NCAA on the women's side. Ohio State, Indiana, Michigan State. Michigan's been solid on the women's side. Mm-hmm. The list goes on and on. I mean, Penn State's been been solid so far. Minnesota's definitely been a very sneaky team in the big 10, of course, Maryland as, as a top 25 <laughs> team. I think it's just about, can she keep this up against bigger teams? Because again, like there's a lot of great matchups that Iowa has coming up in the conference. I think that's, is that's where the consistency has to be there. And I have no doubt she'll keep it up because she's been, like I said earlier, one of the best players in the country right now. So I think that it's just it it's it's everything that you want more from her. Yeah, so I mean, just as like one last little thing, Brian. I mean, with Caitlin Clark, I think I just want to make sure that people just understand how good she's really been. I mean, you called it the walking triple double, but I think the other thing is with how much she has the ball for the fact that she barely turns the ball over. I mean, she's she's had some pretty high nights here and there, but for somebody who has the ball as much as she does. I mean, she's just a really efficient player. Like you said, I mean, the best way to leave it off is definitely by saying that she has to be one of the best players in the country right now. And she's only in year two, which is the scary part, because we thought last year was a movie, but she's only building upon it so far this year. And that's even the surprising part. It's year two. Right. Year, year two. So we we have a couple more years to see Caitlin Clark improve and maybe lead Iowa to a national championship. I think that'll be really interesting to see, but moving on to my fourth uh, unsung Hooper for this episode, I actually took one from Jalen because Kayla Pointer from LSU has been phenomenal this season. She's averaging 18.2 points per game, 6.6 rebounds, 5.4 assists, almost two steals a game. It's plain and simple with with uh, Kayla Pointer, and we use this term with a lot of players. She's a bucket getter for LSU this season. She has been great for this team in late game sit in, in late game situations specifically. She has made herself reliable and someone this team can trust with the ball in her hands. Pointer has improved in rebounding as she averages a little more than two rebounds from last season to this season. She's actually second on the team in rebounds for LSU. And she's been aggressive in crashing the boards and grabbing rebounds. And this is definitely something to note when you look at her improvement from last year to this to this year. And maybe it was the coaching change because they also got Kim Mulkey from uh, uh, Baylor, 
who's who was who had built a reputation up with Baylor and now is moving to LSU and making an impact there. LSU is another top 25 team that's been solid this year. So Pointer will be or will continue to be an impact player for LSU this year. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the two-way ability. I mean, she just does it on both sides. I said this before we hopped on the pod. Definitely one of the best leaders in women's college basketball, fifth-year senior, just knows. I mean, one of the biggest reasons why she gravitated, like why I gravitated to her in terms of wanting to pick her as a player is uh, for this for this episode was because if you listen to her post-game interviews, it's so much about togetherness and the influence of them leaning on each other on a night-to-night basis. She's just a really great leader at the guard position. And then she does it on the floor. I mean, one of the most impressive things with her so far this season has been the fact that she showed up against some of the bigger teams, right? You talk about Texas A&M, 17-9-8 in that win over Texas A&M. 21 points in that game over uh, where they won against uh, my Georgia Bulldogs. Like, games like that, even in the loss to um, South Carolina, which is not not some kind of run-of-the-mill loss, right? We're talking about the same South Carolina game costs that are lead that are like the, the leading team in the country right now. And she dropped 22 points and has six assists in that game and only turned the ball over three times, which is actually low-key impressive considering how good of a defensive team the game costs are. So one of the main things that's been so important is not only is she leading from the point guard spot, you know, verbally, right, in terms of saying the right things and different things like that. But she's literally expressing some of those leadership qualities on the floor. And I think you I think you would expect that out of a fifth year senior. But it's another thing to see it in motion. And I think that's just one of the most impressive things about Kayla. Kayla is just a really solid overall point guard that can keep the ship steady and just does everything you need her to do when you need it. And I think it comes with that experience, too, because you mentioned fifth-year senior, developed those leadership qualities. You can see it in, in her post-game interviews, like you mentioned. I think it's just about that leadership. I think she will – because she developed it so quickly, and especially with her play on the floor, too, because she also put up a triple-double this season, and with her scoring ability, her playmaking ability, her defense, everything I mentioned with Kayla, with uh, Kayla uh, sorry, Caitlin Clark – um, I mentioned with Kayla Pointer because she exhibits a lot of those qualities and the ability to be a reliable scorer is something that has really impressed me because she improved as a leader and gained that experience and gained that trust from her teammates that I want her taking the final shot for this team. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really what's been impressive with her this season. But Jalen, closing this episode out with our Fifth and final unsung hooper. Jalen, who is your last unsung hooper? Yeah, man. So I have Lucy Cochran from Portland. And Brian hit me with the crazy side eye with this one and was like, where did you pull Portland from? Well, one of the things that I like to focus on is defense when it comes to some of these unsung hooper awards, because I think a lot of unsung hoopers in general are the ones that do things that don't show up on the box score or don't show up on ESPN, right? The 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 highest point, the high point totals or the craziest uh, record assists or, you know, even the, the ridiculous rebound count. Like when you talk about guys like Oscar Shibway, right, who's like walking around with 15 plus uh, rebounds a night, like that stuff is great and all. But 
defense, I think, is a very unsung, underrated skill. And for Lucy, she's averaging 8.3 points per game, 7.3 rebounds per game, nothing too insane. It is still nearly a double-double, so it should not be slept on what she does on that end. But the defensive end is where things are ridiculous to me. 3.8 blocks per game. Now, she transferred from Oregon. She played at Oregon um, two seasons ago. Obviously, when she made the transfer from Oregon, you have to sit for a year. At least that's how the old rules work. Things are different in the NCAA these days. But in the time she was with Oregon, 6.6 minutes per game, 1.4 points, 1.2 rebounds, less than an assist per game, less than less than uh, a, a block a game. Like, I mean, she basically was kind of just getting her feet wet this year. Going crazy. And. Here's one of those things I want. Here's one of the things I want to highlight about Lucy that I think is really important is that what she does on the defensive end is in such an efficient way. We talk about efficiency a lot from a scoring standpoint, but when you talk about the 3.8 blocks per game that she's averaging, she's doing that while averaging just barely over one personal foul a game. So the level of discipline as a shot blocker, you know, you always look at shot blockers and say, oh, if you attack them, you can work towards fouling them out because they're always going to gamble. They're going to be aggressive. They're always going to seek the block. Well, Lucy actually plays in a more controlled manner while still being able to be so effective as a rim defender. So I, I, she's got to be, I mean, she's easily one of the best rim protectors in the entire country, but you throw on top of that, the fact that she does it in such a legitimate way. I mean, she does things in a way that anchors a Portland defense that has been really solid all year. And although she doesn't fill up the box score, from a scoring standpoint, the defense more than makes up for how effective she is on a night-to-night basis. And I think when you talk about her her individual impact on defense, like you mentioned, she leads the country in blocks per game. The ability to be a consistent rim protector for Portland, and I did kind of hit you with the side eye because I was really interested why you chose Portland specifically. And I did some re- I did some you know research on YouTube. Looked up some highlights of Lucy Cochran. Lucy Cochran is a defensive anchor, and she's been doing this the entire season. And you talk about the the transfer rules now, and they've definitely changed. But her ability to make an instant impact this year on the defensive side with Portland is impressive too. Because when you sit out a year, uh, when you when you transfer, you have to sit out a year, and then you come in and you can you can play right off right off the bat she has made that impact this year and she made it pretty seamlessly that transition from sitting out a year uh transferring and now playing at portland and anchoring their solid defense so i think that it's it's just really impressive and we definitely had to show our appreciation to some defensive players i did earlier with a lorella kuba you you showing your appreciation now for Lucy Cochran. I think the defensive players need, need to get need to get some appreciation too, and that's that's why we do this on Sun Cooper series because it's not just about stats. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. So moving on to my last player, my last on Sun Hooper, I'm going to go with Jordan Horston from Tennessee. She's averaging 15.2 points per game, 9.7 rebounds, four assists, one and a half steals. Horston, much like Pointer. Uh, from LSU has improved from last season to this season in rebounds. 
but she's also improved in scoring. She averaged 8.4 points per game last year, now averages 15.2 points per game, nearly doubled in her production from last season. Horston only put up one double-double last season, and she put up eight this season. She moves off the ball very well, and also in transition, she does that very well. Um, a solid two-way player for Tennessee. Also, much like Pointer, she's been reliable. She's recorded two of her double-doubles against Texas and Texas A&M, two solid teams this season. And she's also added 24 points against South Florida. Horson has been one of the main reasons why Tennessee is the fifth best team in the country. And she's taken a huge step in becoming a leader for this team. But I was very close to also putting her teammate Tamari Key on this list because Tamari Key, another defensive anchor for Tennessee and a player that actually is second right behind Lucy Cochran in blocks per game. And I think that tandem of Horson and Key is what's going to be so interesting for Tennessee to make a run at the national championship this season. Yes, sir. And we're talking about the same Jordan Horston that I would say might have the freshest hairline in women's college basketball. I'm just saying, look, I'm just, hey, fellas, take notes real quick, because if you check Shorty out, she's got one of the freshest hairlines in college basketball. Change switching gears, though, for real, though. In terms of her production on the floor, Ryan read off a lot of her stats in terms of what she's done throughout the season. I think the double-double stat is probably the most influential. But, Ryan, one of the bigger things I want to touch on when you talk about those stats, uh, South Florida was 23rd in the country, Texas 12th, Stanford 3rd, Texas A&M 25th. Uh, this recent win against Kentucky where she dropped 11-7, and 19th. Like, the biggest thing is that I think she does hurt. This is – and I mentioned this earlier – when we were talking about um, when we were talking about Kayla, like it's this idea of stepping up at a time when you are needed the most. And Ryan, we talk about this. It's so interesting how good the SEC is this year, right? As a league entirely, right? On the men's side and the women's side. I mean, me and you had an uh, I wouldn't even say it was an argument. We both definitely agreed in the committee. The, the committee is crazy. But we had Auburn going number one in terms of the, the recent men's polls. And on the women's side, I mean, Tennessee being top five, I think is legitimate. But you can make the argument, bro, that they have just been even more solid than that. Um, and Jordan Horston has a lot to do with that. That tandem between them two is huge. And I think the fact that Horston is top 50 in rebounds at the guard position is bizarro. I mean, she's averaging nearly a double-double at the guard spot. Um, and not with assists, which is the typical way that you would usually see that uh, in men's and women's basketball. So I think that other element to them is so huge. I think their inside out game is one of the most impressive in women's college basketball. Like I said, man, Jordan Horston, the real deal. Just gets it done. Just gets it done. Transitioning to our question of the day for our fans. Do you think Tennessee can make a run to the national championship? with Jordan Horston and Tamari Key at the helm. This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk Podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We will see you guys next episode.